Pastor Xavier Reese explains the simple truths of when good just isn't quite good enough. You get saved, and we're just happy, we're rejoicing, and we're moving on down our Christian life, and all of a sudden we say, well, God loves me because of what I do. God's blessings upon me are because I belong to Him and He loves me, not because of what I do. Why? Because my heart's evil. And so you need to guard your heart. Why? Because it's evil. Not because it's good. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It seems every so often news reports alert consumers to a seemingly safe and purposeful everyday object that turns out to be harmful, even when used as directed. For example, the plastic sometimes used in eyeglasses and baby bottles has recently been discovered to pose a health risk. And so it is with many of the so-called good works that we practice might often lead to a false sense of security when it comes to what truly honors God. Well, coming up in a Simple Truth study titled, What Defiles a Man? Pastor Xavier makes the challenge for a self-examination for harmful contaminants too often detected within our hearts. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. But here Jesus Christ tells us in very clear words, what defiles a man? There are many questions that come up. Man, what defiles a man? And there's religious speculation. There's man's opinions. There's philosophies. But Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. What it is that defiles a man? Dr. Albert Einstein, in a lecture given in 1948, spoke of the nature of man in relationship to the world. And I quote, The true problem lies in the hearts and thoughts of man. It is not a physical, but an ethical problem. What terrifies us is not the explosive force of the atomic bomb, but the power of the wickedness of the human heart. Dr. Einstein believed in the total depravity of man taught in Scripture. Even as God said in Genesis 6, 5, before the flood, after the fall, that he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, listen, continually or literally all the day. This is the picture of man's heart. Whether you are born again or whether you're not born again, your heart and my heart is evil. Jesus said to his disciples, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give to you the gift of the Holy Ghost? The only difference between myself and a person who is not born again is that I have the ability not to give in to my heart, which is evil. I have the potential. And yet as we look to man and his philosophies, he's always trying to emphasize the goodness of man, especially in the age of technology. These last 10 to 20 years, we want to look and find everything good in man. Feel good about yourself. It's in you. So now the church has even grabbed a hold of it, and the church is teaching that we are little gods. It was always in us. We just needed to tap into it. Well, that's Mormon doctrine. And we hear so many things going on that are so unscriptural in the church of Jesus Christ, and the people of God love it so. It's amazing. 
the heart in this context, which Jesus is going to be talking about and the one that I'm referring to, speaks of the inner being, the inner man. The true moral character as the center of man's life because of the fall. That does not mean that man does not have any capacity for good. Yes, he has capacity for good. There are people who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they have done tremendous good works for the mankind. They've brought about hospitals, social programs. They've helped orphans and widows, and they've done tremendous things. So man has a capacity for good, but he has a constant bent for evil. You know, electricity is good. You get some light. But you cross it, you're dead. And it doesn't even apologize. It moves on to the next person who crosses it. That's man. It involves the intellect, the emotion, and the will. I know certain things. Even before I came to Christ, I knew certain things of right and wrong. God put a conscience in me. But then I have my emotions. And I was growing up, my conscience held me so far. But when what I was involved in or what I was being committed to or what I was being pressured to or whatever I was enticed to, my emotions would say, well, I know that it's wrong, but... I, I just feel like I should only for my emotions later on to stab me to the heart and say, oh, how could I? How could they? Going against the good. I never had the capacity of will. I only had the capacity of my intellect with my conscience and my emotions. Now being born again, I have the exercise of my will by the power of God. I don't have to be ruled by my emotions because I have the mind of Christ. I know what is right and wrong. And when I know something's wrong, no matter what my emotions tell me, it's wrong. Then I've got to have my will and say, I will not. My emotions, my hormones are full-blown pagans. They don't know that I'm born again. And so I have to bring that under my will. But the propensity of my heart is to do evil. Jesus said before you try to take that little sliver out of your brother's eye, you better take the four by four out of your own eye. It's so easy to find fault in everybody else, but I can't see it in me. And that again shows the evilness of my own heart. Jesus, who was God and still is God, taught nothing different but only confirmed that the defilement of man is a sinful heart here in this passage. Very clear. In verses 1 through 4, we have the occasion. Jesus and his disciples were at Gennesaret, the end of chapter 6 tells us that, verse 53 down to 56. They just crossed the sea. They're a little bit south of Capernaum. And Jesus has ministered the word. Many have come to him. He has healed them and ministered unto them, just like Jesus. Always being where people are hurting. 
Always making himself available. Never rejecting anyone. Always wanting to meet their needs. In verse 1 of chapter 7, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. A delegate of Pharisees and scribes have come from Jerusalem. It isn't a leisurely visit. It is an official visit. These men are the religious rulers. It's a long ways from Jerusalem to get to Galilee. And yet the Pharisees were the religious rulers. The word means the separated ones. They develop out of the Babylonian captivity those people who had a zeal for God's word. Those people who recognized that the reason they went into captivity was because they had broken God's word and had not paid heed to it. And so they said, we are going to dedicate ourselves to the word and we are never going to disobey it again. We're not going to violate it. Their intention was good. But they get off track. They became religious. Self-righteous. Twisted the scriptures. Now the scribes, they were the lawyers of the law. They interpreted the law. Lawyers haven't changed much today. They found all the loopholes. They took what God had given to Moses and they broke it down. Having this in mind, the law is holy. We broke it. We went into captivity. Here it is. Let's build a fence around it. So let's take it, interpret it, break it down so that we are so meticulous to keep it that in keeping all those meticulous little details, we will never even get close to breaking the law. And what happened very subtly is they began to worship the fence and value it more than what it was keeping. And they violated the law without knowing it. In verse 2, it says, Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, speaking of defiled hands, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. These men found fault with Jesus and his disciples. Why? Because they ate with unwashed hands. But why did they find fault in that? Because they were coming looking for fault. They had already been in opposition to Jesus. Jesus had already been attacked by them. Jesus had already been kicked out of the synagogues. He had given himself to the open air meetings in Galilee to meet the demands of the multitudes. But these men came to criticize. So it wasn't long before they found fault. In verse 3 and 4, it says the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. In verse 3 and 4, these men are very religious. They observe ceremonial rituals holding to the traditions of the elders. Not the word of God. The tradition of the elders. It was an oral tradition that had developed to this point. Based on the law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. And they had broken it down to such a codified interpretation that years later it was divided into 613 separate decrees. 365 prohibitions, 248 positive directives. And it was put in codified form in what is called the Mishnah, the Gemara, and the Talmud. Now think about that. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians, 
Concerning the law, I was blameless. He wasn't talking about just the Ten Commandments. He was talking about all this stuff. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, blameless. Heavy. The Pharisees would say, Nine for me, one for you, Lord. From their little anise and cumin, all their spices. Very meticulous, very ceremonial to give an appearance of spirituality. But yet Jesus told him, you know, you strain at a gnat and yet you swallow a camel. A gnat, if it wasn't bled, it had blood in it, therefore it would defile him. So you see him running down the street and maybe a gnat goes in their mouth and the guy's over there, ah, you know. But yet he disobeys the word of God in so many other big areas. Trying to give an appearance of being spiritual to men. But inside they're evil. Now, men probably spend somewhere about an hour preparing the outside. You bathe, you brush your teeth, you shave, you get dressed. Let me ask you, men, how much time do you spend a day preparing the inside? Women? Two hours? Three hours? A day? How much time do you spend in the Word, in prayer, and waiting upon God to deal with the inside, women? But see, we're in the age of technology and everything else. And we're so concerned that even the church is caught up in the outwardness. And so if you've got too much flab, you can have it sucked out. You don't want to get sucked out, you can have it stapled. You don't like your face, you can go have some plastic surgery but who are you deceiving now am I talking against all plastic surgery God forbid you get in an accident and you need some surgery plastic surgery for your face hey go for it but I'm talking about the preoccupation of the outside who are we deceiving we're trying to make it all pretty out here but inside it's evil what are you doing about the inside the heart, the inner man. I mean, you can look like Raquel Welch, but when you die, you're going to be the healthiest looking corpse up in Rose Hills. It really doesn't make any difference. You're still going to die at the same time. And so we have allowed, even as a church of Jesus Christ, for the world to put an emphasis on us. And let's face it, we are great imitators of the world, and we are lousy imitators of Christ. We're letting the world press us into its mold. They thought themselves to be more spiritual than the sinners of the marketplace, verse 4 says. They diligently purified everything in spite of all contamination. They go to the marketplace, they knew Gentiles were there, sinners, so they would come back and they would just get all clean, all their washing. And Barclay gives all the meticulous washings. You'd put your fingers up and you would just take an egg shell on a half of water and put it this way so it goes down this way and then you dry with the fist and then you put it down this way and they go through all these rituals. Remember the feast of Canaan, the wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine? He says, fill the water pots of purifying. That's what it was for. All the cleansing rites. Now Leviticus chapter 11, 12, 13, it gives you all the different things for cleansing and there's many of those that are legitimate but they had broken them down and gone beyond and then they did something that was very dangerous. They flip-flopped them around. And they say, because we do these things, we're spiritual and holy. Now, the church does the same thing. 
You get saved, God starts doing a work in you and my heart, and we're just happy, we're rejoicing, and we're moving on down our Christian life, and all of a sudden we say, well, God loves me because of what I do. Rather than remembering that what I'm doing is because I love God. He loved me before I even did it. God's blessings upon me are because I belong to him and he loves me, not because of what I do. Does that mean I can do whatever I want? No. Why? Because I love him and I don't want to hurt him. I'm married to my wife, Judy. I can do anything I want, but I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt her. Why? Because I love her. Do I do things that hurt her? Yes. Intentionally? Hopefully not. Do I hurt God? Yes. Do I do it willfully? I hopefully not. Why do I do it? Because my heart's evil. I still have the old man. I still have the capacity for sin. And so I can't trust in my flesh. The proverb says that out of the heart comes the issues of life. Guard it. Guard it well. As a man thinking in his heart, so is he. In context, that does not speak of faith like they quote today. It speaks of how you're thinking about other people as they think about you. Read the context. And so you need to guard your heart. Why? Because it's evil. Not because it's good. And so the Christian church has jumped on the goodness of man. And they say, well, you know, you really, it's in there. We just got to tap into it. And so they say, well, we don't want to deny the cross. And yes, you've been born again. Yes, you're a new creature. But there's some things we have to deal with. So we got to go in the past and we'll bring them out. And we'll, we'll bring out that goodness in you that other people made you do. Because, you know, you, if they wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't have done this. Come on. God didn't accept that from Adam. Why will we accept it from you? It's the woman that you gave me, Lord. Sure. Pass the buck. The reason you do what you do is because your heart is evil. And so do I. I really don't need much help. Circumstances, people, situations will bring that out more. But I really don't need much help. In verses 5 through 9, you have the outcry. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders and eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your traditions. The Pharisees and the scribes, their outcry first in verse 5. Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders? They didn't say according to the, the law of Moses. They didn't say according to the law. They didn't say according to the Torah. They said the traditions of the elders. Now Matthew 15, 2, the parallel of, of this event, says, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They were concerned with what they had interpreted. There are churches this morning that honor their tradition above the Word of God. You will hear much about their tradition as you go there from week to week, from month to month, but you will hear very little about the Word of God. 
There are other churches who will, you will go and you will hear instead of biblical scriptural phrases and verse by verse exposition, you will hear nice little sermonettes for Christianettes with non-threatening messages. And so we in California have a spiritual smorgasbord. You don't have to eat what you don't want. Take your pick. Nobody will threaten you. This was their outcry. What were they saying? You're doing something different than we are. There are many churches. Look around. See where God has you. But when you enter into a church, don't try to change it. You're not responsible for the sheep. And yet people always want, they, they come out different times. I tell them, you know, there's a church down the road here, and, and they, they believe like that. Why don't you go there? I, I mean, I want them to be happy. I'm not being sarcastic. Go where you feel comfortable. If you feel comfortable in a church that doesn't preach the Word of God, go for it. You feel comfortable in a church that has a lot of activities, and, and that's where it's at, go for it. But God is more interested in changing you than changing the church that you're going to. That's the most important thing. Notice the outcry of Jesus, verse 6 through 9. His outcry is, you are hypocrites, quoting Isaiah 29, 13. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. The word hypocrite is used of an actor on stage in the Greek theater. One who is speaking words and acting out motions that really do not have no relationship to him and he does not believe them. And yet he is saying it and doing it in such a way to where he is actually portraying the actual event and words. What is he saying? He's saying they're hypocrites. Their lips were just serving in lip service while their heart was far removed from the true intention that God intended. And let's be truthful, people. There are a lot of people in the church of Jesus Christ whose lips are very close to God, but their heart is very far from Him. Oh, I want to be holy. But they go out and rent pornography. And then they wonder why they have a problem with it. Lip service. Oh, I want to grow in Christ. But they come to church once a month. Hypocrisy. Oh, I want to get involved. But they never do. Hypocrisy. Oh, I love the Lord. But they rob God in tithing. Hypocrisy. Let me tell you, this text is very relevant for us this morning. Very relevant. And there's so many other things you can take off on your own for application. Secondly, Jesus says they were worshiping God in vain because they had substituted God's original intent of the word for their interpretations. Verse 5 and 7. They had embraced the commandments of men. They were teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. They were teaching the doctrines of man for the commandments of God. Whichever way you want to look at it. They have substituted. Think with me. Listen to the things that you're hearing over radio and television. Are they not substituting the Word of God? Walk into any bookstore and see how many psychological books professional counseling are under compared to just pure exposition listen to the messages you're hearing we are an idolatrous sinful people and we really don't need that much help 
And all that is being offered does not help. It only makes things worse. Pastor Xavier Reese draws our time together today to a close with the stark simple truths about the condition of man's heart when he is without Jesus. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy, and the title you want to ask for is simply, What Defiles a Man? It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, What Defiles a Man? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 